morning. Um, let us pray. Um, dear God, thank you for bringing us um, here together to hear your word. Help us to um, be humble to understand your word. And I pray that um, you help Dave to preach your word faithfully. Um, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, today's passage is from First Peter chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. It's on page 982 on the Church Bible. Um, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the Spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name's uh, uh, Dave Shannon, if I haven't met you already. What happens in the end uh, determines how we live now. We live today in light of the future. We see it in movies all the time with the end of the, war type, uh, end of the world type movies, but we see it in uh, this movie too, The Bucket List. Uh, two men, one working class, one a billionaire, they hear at the same time that they have terminal uh, cancer. And for one of them, he has a year left uh, to live. And so they decide to go on this epic adventure, fulfilling their bucket list. A bucket list is, is a list of things you want to do before you kick the bucket, that is, uh, die. And so in light of the, the short time left, uh, they do it all. They, they go around the world racing cars, skydiving, climbing pyramids, uh, going on safaris. You see, how they lived now in the present was determined by what was going to happen uh, in the future. Uh, and it's the same uh, for us today. We live today in light of the future. Uh, whether it's not spending much money uh, now to save up for something in the future, or investing in your children's education so they'll look after you in the future. Uh, what we hope for in the future really drives what we do today. Uh, and that's uh, Peter's uh, point here this morning. What will happen in the end really should drive our behavior, our actions uh, today. Have a look there at uh, verse uh, 7. Uh, the end of all things is near. And you see, because the end is near, we are to do two things. We are to one, to live for God's will within, uh, within the world, uh, and two, we are to live for God's glory, for God's praise uh, within the church. Uh, first up, 
We are to live for God's will. Now have a look there from verse 2. We don't live for, for the human desires, but rather for the will of God. Uh, live in obedience to God and his word. And this outward living is really driven by verse 7, that is, that the end of all things is near. But we might be wondering, how is it that the end of all things is near? Uh, Peter wrote this nearly uh, 2,000 years ago, and the end hasn't come yet. Did maybe Peter have it wrong? What's going on? But I don't think Peter is talking at a particular one end point in time here. See, rather, he's talking about the last phase in God's salvation plan. You see, God has been working uh, in history from, from the very start, from creation through to the fall with Adam and Eve sinning, to Abraham, to King David, to, to the exile. All throughout, God has been working uh, to bring about his salvation plan and in making a, a people for himself. And, and last week in chapter 3, we saw that God's last phase came through with, with Christ's death and, and resurrection and ascension. Uh, and that through that, Sin, Christ has defeated sin and death. All that belongs to the fleshly realm has been defeated through Christ. And so it's since that point, since his, his ascension into heaven, uh, that the final phase of God's salvation plan has begun. You see, Jesus Christ is victorious and he sits at God's right hand in heaven. And so we, we are in this final stage, awaiting uh, for Jesus uh, to return. Uh, the end is near. And so how we live today, how we live now, is determined by the future. And we've seen this throughout this book. Uh, as, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we are foreigners and exiles. We, we don't belong to this world. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. We have a living hope with inheritance that's being kept for us in heaven. And so Christ is victorious. He reigns over all and he will return. And like we saw last week in chapter 3, in light of that, we endure unjust suffering for doing good. We bless rather than respond with evil because that is what Christ has done before us. Uh, and that's where we kind of continue reading in, in chapter, chapter 4, verse 1. Have a look there. Uh, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, that is the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. I think one of the difficulties we have uh, there with the word our body uh, is that when we think about Christ suffering in the body, we can think, ah, that, that's talking about the cross, that he suffered in his body on the cross. Uh, but the word is actually uh, flesh, since Christ suffered in the flesh, like some other translations helpfully put. And I think flesh is, is helpful here because it's referring to the whole fleshly realm, the old order of things where, where sin and death and temptation reigned. Uh, but you see, Jesus has dealt with those. He has defeated those in his death and resurrection. Uh, we saw it last week in chapter 3.18. You see, Christ was put to death in the flesh uh, but made alive in the spirit. You see, Christ was put to death... Uh, in regards to all things belonging to, to the fleshly realm, but has been made alive in the spiritual realm, that is the new age, into glory where sin and death are defeated and will reign no more. And I think this distinction is really helpful and important, particularly as we, as we continue reading uh, in, in verse 1 there, because we are to arm ourselves also with the same attitude. 
we are to be done with the fleshly realm as well. You see, Peter uh, urges us to arm ourselves, not with guns or, or lightsabers. I heard recently that lightsabers was the most popular choice of a weapon if they wanted to defend themselves. Not with lightsabers, not with weapons of mass destruction, but to arm ourselves with the same attitude, with the same resolve of Christ. That is to endure unjust suffering for doing good. Because, verse 1, whoever suffers in the body, that is in the flesh, just as Christ did, is done with sin. That is, when believers willingly and actively suffer for doing good by having the same attitude as Christ, uh, who suffer rather than sin, they show that they are, they are done with sin. If you think about it, if you are willing to speak the truth regardless of the consequence, so if someone says you're a Christian, and uh, regardless of the consequence, if you say that, yes, I'm a Christian, that might mean that you're jailed or mocked or beaten or whatever it might be. If you say yes in that situation, where you choose to suffer rather than sin, uh, suffering for your faith rather than denying your faith, you demonstrate that you are done with sin. Now, we may not find ourselves in that position very often these days. Uh, I, th- I think it happened for, for some of us, uh, many Christians during the plebiscite last year, uh, and it's likely to become more and more of a reality, particularly as our society becomes more and more post-Christian. Uh, as the values that uh, shift in society that's standing for Christ and what that life looks like uh, changes and is at odds with the world around us. But you see, I think it's still relevant in the way that we speak, uh, in, in the words that we choose to choose, in, in whether we speak the truth or not. See, for instance, it could be in a job interview or at a university or, or at work. Will you tell the truth regardless of the outcome? So even if it means that if you speak the truth, you will not get the job. You will fail your assignment. You will get sacked from your job. Will you speak the truth and suffer regardless of the consequences? Would you rather suffer than sin? Because when we suffer for doing good, we show that we are done with sin. Not that we won't sin, but that that we are done with that way of life. And as we suffer for our faith rather than sin, we are demonstrating that we live uh, according to God's will and that we no longer live for human desires, the flesh, uh, like we used to. Have a look there from verse 3. For you have spent enough time in the past uh, doing what the pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. You've done enough of this as, as unbelievers. Uh, but it's what the people around us do. They live for sex, drugs and rock and roll. They live for food, for alcohol. But it's just a, a lack of self-control, leading to self-destructive uh, behaviour, violating God's standards. And, and it's harmful for others. And so believers, we, we don't live like that. We aren't motivated by ungodly human desires. We are motivated by God's will. Because if you think about it, if we're being persecuted for our faith, for standing firm in the Lord Jesus, 
why would we want to return back to these verse 3 type lives? If you think about it, there, there are people in this world who are being persecuted for their faith. They are locked up in these terrible situations in dark, dingy, dirty, small prison cells because they are believers. They have stood firm for standing for Jesus. How crazy would it be for them who are standing firm, trusting the Lord Jesus, knowing that Jesus is victorious, they press on through this because he's victorious and will return. How crazy is it to think that in light of that, that if they were freed, that they would just return to a a verse 3 type lifestyle? It's ludicrous. They are done with sin. They are suffered. They have suffered. They are suffering for their faith. They're not going to return to to that old way of life. We're motivated by God's will and so we live differently from those around us. But you see, that will lead to ridicule. It'll lead to criticism. It'll lead to abuse. The world will judge us. Dave Shannon, crazy Dave. Whatever happened to that guy, people may say. He used to be so cool, but now he's just a goody two-shoes. You know, a party pooper. Have you even seen him dance? He what a waste of a life. He used to live the free life, now restricted. He doesn't do anything fun. He is a fool. And at that at my funeral they might even say about me, What good did his faith do, huh? Nothing. What an absolute waste. He dies just like the rest of us. And while the world may be judging us about about these things, I think verse 5 gives us a great encouragement. Have a look. Uh, But they, that is the ones who are abusing you, will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You see, they may mock, but they will face judgment for for their behaviour. You see, there are many in the world who think that death is the end that after death there is no accountability. Like, like this guy on the screen, he says, I believe that when I die, I shall rot and nothing of my ego will survive. I shall rot, he says. And while people may think that, that death is the end, one Peter shows us differently. Physical death is not the end. You see, judgment is coming. There will be no escape. All people, whether living or dead, will face judgment. And it's because judgment is coming that the verse 6, the gospel, is preached. And, and verse 6, I think, is a great encouragement to us, uh, to those who have heard the gospel uh, and put their trust in them. I've got up on the screen here the, the Holman Standard uh, Bible. I think it's a really helpful translation that kind of, I think, gets, it, gets through the idea. I'll read through it. For, for this reason, that is judgment, the gospel was preached to those who are now dead, so that although they may be judged by men in the fleshly realm, they might live by God in the spiritual realm. You see, uh, those who are dead, I think that they are talking about believers, Christians, who have believed in the gospel, who put their trust in Jesus uh, before they died. They, they are now dead. Uh, but even though they were mocked and abused and judged uh, for their faith, not joining the world around them in their flesh, fleshly ways, 
they lived for God instead. And because they belonged to the spiritual realm, uh, knowing that they would be judged by God, uh, by God's standards, they knew that that is what matters most. You see, they were dead to the world, to the fleshly realm, but alive in the spiritual realm uh, in Christ. You see, we are to live for God's will in the world, arming ourselves with the same attitude as Christ, not living like the world around us, but living for God's will. You see, the end is near, and so one, we are to live for God's will within the world, and two, we're to live for God's glory, for God's praise in the church. Have a look there from verse 10. That in all things God may be praised, that, is, that he would be glorified through Christ Jesus, uh, through Jesus Christ. Peter lays out for us three ways uh, that we can glorify God, that we can praise God within the church. Uh, that is, with our prayers, uh, in our love, and in our service uh, of one another. Uh, first up, uh, in our prayers. With the end drawing near, verse 7, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. You see, these are imperatives. These are commands. Peter demands that we would have a clear and sober mind, that we would be mentally alert and ready to pray. That looks like really evaluating our situations correctly with, with maturity about what's kind of happening uh, around us that we may respond in prayer. And, and our prayers need to be uh, modelled and shaped by, by God's word and the word is to really drive us uh, to pray. So that even if we're going through hard times in life as, as we're suffering for doing good, that we are, are driven uh, to pray. Unlike the unbelievers who during a hard time are drowning their sorrows and, and, and living in diverse three type lives. But see, in our times of need and suffering, we need to be on our knees to our Father in heaven who knows all and sees all like we saw last week. It is a wonderful blessing to know that he hears our prayers. You see, prayers aren't to be the last thing we do. Oh, I've done all I can do. All we can do now is, uh, all we can do now is pray. Uh, or, or even the last thing we do before we go to bed and fall asleep. No, no, that is not being alert and sober-minded. Prayer is to be the first thing we do and the thing that we continue to do. May we be a church who prays. May we be a praying church and, and people who pray despite what's happening around us, depending on the God, our Father, who knows and sees everything and holds all things in his hands. And you know, you can put that into practice today. Uh, after lunch today, we have our monthly uh, prayer meeting and we're going to hear from our Jono, our French uh, minister, uh, where he's going to share the, the work that God has been doing through this ministry. Uh, if you don't know anything about this ministry, let me encourage you to come. Uh, it'll be great to find out about uh, what happens, but that you can also be praying for it, uh, praying for this church, uh, praying for this uh, ministry, um, because we want to be people of prayer. First, we're to be a, a praying people. Second, we are to be people of love. Have a look there from verse 8. 
above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. We're to love one another deeply. That is, with, with earnest. It's not just this emotion, emotional intensity like, oh, I love dolphins. It's not that, it, but it's a love that persists despite the difficulties because that is a love that covers a multitude of sins. In our DT, uh, we thought it was a bit like a fire blanket, uh, that when a fire begins, uh, you throw the blanket over the fire and it smothers the fire and the fire goes out. You see, to love in that way is a willingness to bear with the wrongs that have been done to you. It's, it's to break the cycle of acting on hard feelings and responding with evil and sin. It's to let the private, personal injury that has been done to you as though nothing has happened. It's ignoring the unkind or insulting uh, word or action that's been done. It's to bring the evil to an end so that it dies and no seed of evil can grow, that the sin has been smothered by that fire blanket in love. Peter here isn't talking about God forgiving sins. That is true, but uh, that's not the point here. And he's certainly not saying that uh, we should just ignore or deny sin, that sin should just be covered up. I think that the example of the what's happened in the past with the uh, child abuse in the church, I think that needs to be exposed. That's, but that's not the point here. Peter is making, uh, he's really concerned with our behavior that could destroy the church, destroy our relationships. He wants us to overcome such behaviors that will destroy relationships by nipping it in the bud, by taking it on, by ending it. You may have been hurt by somebody in the church with an insensitive comment or action that they have done, and you have felt deep hurt by this. But you see, this could lead to you holding a grudge against that person. And so you end up gossiping about this person to someone else so that other people dislike them as well. This, 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 uh, this grudge may lead to hatred against them, that you don't even want to have anything to do with this person. In light of this insensitive comment, you have responded with evil and sin throughout. But you see, if you had thrown that fire blanket of, of love and covered over uh, the sin and you had ke- um, <coughs> uh, and let the comment go through to the keeper and just, and just chose to ignore it and forgiven them in the first place, all that sinful uh, behavior just, just would never have come about. You see, that is a love that covers over a multitude of sins. You see, we are to be characterized by that kind of love. How sad, how sad it would be uh, for our church to be destroyed by an inability to love uh, one another in this way. But it's hard. It would be, it's hard to love like this. But you see, that is what God wants us to do. This is how God wants us to love one another. And we've seen this uh, already in, in the book of 1 Peter. Instead of retaliating with evil, when evil is done to us, we bless. We are to 
love each other deeply. A a deep love seeks the good of the other. And and I think it's seen practically uh, through hospitality. Have a look there from verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. It is our Christian duty uh, to be hospitable to one another, as we see here. Uh, But we are to do it without grumbling or complaining. I think it's there because we we find it hard. It's our natural inclination to to grumble and and complain. And we are to do it with with one another. We are to welcome all people, uh, whether here at church or or into our homes. It's it's great that we have lunch here uh, every couple of weeks, uh, that we can do that together. And when people aren't having lunch here, lots of people are going out for lunch and it's so great to see. But let me challenge you. Let me challenge you like Peter does. Are you including everyone? Do you invite everyone along to lunch or do you just hang out with your buddies? Hospitality isn't just about who you get along well with, but it is really welcoming all people within the church. That we would be welcoming to all. You might feel that we're not a very hospitable church. Uh, So let me uh, challenge you. Why don't you invite people over to your place uh, that we can be hospitable together? And do you know it doesn't actually require much? You can buy roast chicken, some bread rolls and a bag of salad. Easy does it. Sweet, easy meal. You may not have a home that you feel like you can invite people over. Why don't you organise to uh, have a meal with people uh, in the park? Invite a couple of people, be, 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 be advanced. Uh, as, and it's great that it's the warmer weather, warmer weather now that you can kind of plan that kind of thing. Uh, be hospitable uh, to one another. We are to be uh, praying, we are to be loving, and we are to serve. Uh, have a look there from verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God has been gracious in giving us a variety of different uh, gifts here in church. But we are to use them for the good of the other, not focusing on myself, uh, on ourselves, but, but on the other person, being a faithful steward of the gifts that God has given us. The point here isn't about what gift I have, I have this gift, I have that gift. That's not the point here. Uh, But rather that we would use the gifts that we have to serve uh, one another. And and the idea that it's uh, the two kind of things that are mentioned here, speaking and and serving, really covers all that we do. Uh, The one thing we could ask uh, as we're thinking about how we could use our gifts is, where are the needs in the church? How How could I serve in a way where the church needs us to serve? Um, serving here, though, is not just serving on a roster. Uh, and the one who speaks, I think, there from verse 11 is, uh, I think there is the recognized uh, teacher, uh, the one responsible for bringing the very words of God to, to God's uh, people. Uh, and this is a, a serious responsibility, uh, and as the teaching, as, as the teaching and dealing and handling of, of God's word. But actually, it's, a, it's for all of us, as we sit under those who, who teach us. Uh, as we hear the very words of God uh, proclaimed to us, we are to receive it for what it is, uh, the very words uh, of God. We're to serve one another for the good of each other. 
And our Father gives us the strength to be able to do that. God gives us the ability uh, to meet the needs of each other within the church. And so let us serve one another. And as we serve in love, verse 11, in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. As we serve one another, as we love, as we pray, God is glorified. You see, we live our lives uh, as the church, prayerfully, lovingly, serving one another. Because as we do, God is glorified through us. You see, the end is near. Jesus will return soon. And so how we live now matters. We are to live now in light of the future. We are to live that we would live in light of God's will in the world around us and that we would live for God's glory uh, within the church. And to do this well, we really do need God's help. And so let's, let's pray and, and ask uh, God for help uh, in this now. Let's, let's pray. Almighty Father God, we are so uh, thankful for your word to us and for the great reminder that the end is near. Father, do help us to remember that truth, that we would live that life um, now, that we would live in light of the end being near. So help us, Father, to live according to your will in the world, that we would live to glorify you in the way that we love each other in church, uh, that we would love one another and uh, uh, and serve one another hard. Father, please do help us to do this, particularly the hard things, to, to love in a way that, that covers over a multitude of sins. Father, to you be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen.